Okay, I had hoped that uh, he would be just a little... I, I say we... I say we fly him down here. I... I'm with you 100 percent. Like yes. Yeah. Um, I would. I would love to. I would love to invite him. He. He actually. Um, he and I have. I've gone back and forth on some things in the past, and you know, I just love him to death. Taking his courses and everything. He promised me the next time. This is you know four or five years ago. He promised the next time he was on the East Coast, he would swing by, and uh, spend some time with us. Uh, and then he he did that uh, thing down in Atlanta. You know, and and uh, Greg and Morgan went down, and, uh, and you were there, yeah. And I'm and I'm like, Hello, <laughs> this is the East Coast, you know. I razzed him a little bit. Yeah, that's it. So anyway, yeah, I'd lo- I'd love to get him here for a weekend and just and just chit chat with him. Um, might even be good to have it off the tape so he can just relax and you know, and all of that. He's he's a he's a great skeleton, a great man. So, all right. So, I- in summary. Um, did what you hear tonight, what you heard tonight, did it, did it change your perspective? Are you more ardent about your perspective? Did you hear something you hadn't thought about before? I, I think uh, I think the way you put it earlier is is probably the way I'm seeing it now. It's so simple, yet it's so amazingly complex, right? I mean, there's just you can't talk about this one issue without going down all these various rabbit trails and. Here we're talking about a general resurrection versus a specific resurrection versus Yeshua's resurrection. And, eh, yes. I wish you wouldn't have spent so much time in, in polemics trying to refute Mark Hinzer point by point. Yeah, and, and that may have been you know where he thought that it needed to go because this is, uh, I suspect, any questions along these lines he feels are the outgrowth of this this root of of poor theology that, that Kinzer's pushing. I was just glad that he um, he's leaning toward Messiah. Because my position was probably leaning towards not so much focus on Messiah. And like Mr. Eppel was talking about the tension mm-hmm. that exists because it is sort of a conflict. But I, I th- I, I'm a little I think Messiah is absolutely critical. And to me, that is the salvific message. Like, like he said, and, and we've done it here. Let's follow that, uh, let's see what they call it back in the church uh, years and years ago, is that the thin red line of redemption or the, 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 scarlet. the scarlet cord throughout, you know, and, and all that. But really, it's, let's look at this seed. And, and follow this promise down through the ages and down through the, the scriptures. That, that promise is Messiah. And if Messiah, even our sages believe that Messiah was there before creation, he was the agent of creation, he is the creator, then Messiah is God. And if Messiah is uh, necessary for salvation, then I think we have the right message. If we start to say, now we know his name, and you got to know his name, and you got to say his name, and by the way, you also have to say his name a certain number of times each day, and your prayers don't mean squat if you don't end your prayers or perhaps begin them with that same name. Then you know now you're you're in, seem to be in a rowboat rowing away. It becomes a cult or a, a litmus test for salvation or uh, or or nagging. Yes.
Well, dispensationalism and covenant theology or supersessionism, you know, both have so many problems that, um, yeah, they're they're going to go, they're going to get taught. So, um, describe for me, in case I'm I'm struggling to know what that means. What is dispensationalism? That God deals with humanity in different ages, uh, different ages or different parts of time, like. In different ways. In different ways, correct. Yes. And, you know, Brother Hick was talking about the example of Abraham Avino. How, you know, he looked toward Messiah's day and saw it and was glad. And even Moshe wrote about Yeshua. Yeah. So, it's all the same. It's it been all the same. That's dispensationalism. What about supersessionism? What's supersessionism? The church is Israel, right? That that the, the promises given to Israel are now given to the church. Exactly. So there's a replacement theology, which is the third party view. Yes. Well, I was I was actually surprised at how much of his attention is put on refuting other people's positions and and all of those things. And I I just started wondering to myself, like, with the analogy of somebody who is trained to spot like counterfeit money. I mean, they just spend time with real money the whole time, and so they can spot the fake stuff immediately. And I just wonder sometimes how much emphasis and focus should be on correcting others or reviewing and critiquing others as opposed to just talking about whatever it is. Yeah. I was a little surprised at the would be direction nice to know that the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm spitballing here, but I, I would imagine it would probably set you free. <laughs> you know, I think this whole issue of what do we do with the Orthodox Jew, right? It's kind of a whole ironic conversation. But, uh, That's ironic, not ironic. Right. You know, I think I think we, you know, and you just said it, and I'll just echo it. We have to keep Messiah. It's 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 our faith, and that's one of the reasons why we are never going to completely fit in with Orthodox Judaism. But I'm okay with that. You know, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably fit in with them in many respects more than I do the church. Sure, halakhically, for sure. That is the stumbling block, and that's what the Scripture says. Yep. So you know, uh, but I think so. You know, I think. All of these, all of these things. You know, I think all of these things somehow come together, and, and how God's going to do it, we don't know. But we know at the end of the day, there's a promise that Kol Yisrael Yimashat, all Israel will be saved. Amen. And um, and that is, yeah, you know, that is that is a promise too. And how God ultimately works all that out, I don't know. But the, the one, the one story from Chazal that helps, that makes sense to me, is uh, it's a famous story about um, about the Hophetheim. And the Hophetheim, if you don't know, is a famous sage from the 1800s uh, who uh, just rules Adi. He's, he, he, did, he spent a lot of time teaching about uh, Lashon Hara, the you know, 
political speech and so forth. Scary beard. Very scary beard. Very, very uh, scary beard. But he was a, he was a, he was a Hasim in, uh, in Poland, you know, back, back in the heyday. Uh, and there's this famous story about uh, the Hofetz Chaim where he was invited to come speak in another city at, at this, at a, you know, at a gathering, large gathering conference. And so he accepts the invitation and he gets on a train and he takes a train from his little, you know, city in Shtetl in Poland to wherever this larger city was where this conference was that he was speaking at. And he sits, and he sits down in his seat on the train and there's a guy sitting next to him and uh, they start talking and the Hope Time says, well, where are you going? He says, well, I'm going to this city to this conference because I'm going to hear the Hofetz Heim speak. And the guy obviously didn't know he was sitting next to him before TV. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, well, he didn't have the Facebook page. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so the Hofetz Heim says, oh, really? And, uh, and the guy says, yeah. And the guy goes on and on about how great the Hofetz Heim is. He's such a Zadik and his teachings and his writings. And, you know, he just goes on and on and on. And, and the Hofetz Heim is kind of sitting there just kind of letting him talk and, Finally, the guy comes up for air, and, and the couple times says, well, you know, um, uh, I'm not really sure that he's all of that. You know, I'm not sure that he's, you know, this this great, magnificent person that you, you paint, you, you're describing. And this guy gets offended. And he says... Takes up an offense for the whole time. He says, what are you... He says, what are you... Literally stands up, slaps the whole time, <laughs> and says, don't ever disrespect uh, the, uh, the rabbi like that, and walks off and go get some, go get some other scene. <laughs> so they get to the city, they go to the conference, this guy's in the crowd, all of a sudden the whole time walks on stage to deliver his, uh, his, uh, his uh, message. Uh, okay. And of course, the guy sees the whole time, and he is like the handprint. They're all under a rock, right? And of course, the whole time delivers this great, you know, or, oration, and you know, just uh, and so at the end of it, this this guy's feeling just horrible and guilty, and you know, and he's like, I've I've got to go find, I've got to apologize, you know, and. Uh, so he finds him after the conference, and and he walks up to him, and he says, he said, please, can you find me to, to forgive me? I had no idea that it was you, you know, and he's just, like, really, really, you know, uh, torn about the whole situation. And and the, and the whole time, his response was, was telling. He said, why should I be upset with you? You defended my honor. Uh-huh. And that, when I when I hear that story, I can't help to think that, in in some respect, that is, yeah, that's Judaism in one sense. Who defended uh, the Messiah of the Scriptures against um, against a Messiah that has been uh, that's been portrayed incorrectly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and and so even though they have rejected Jesus, they're doing it to defend the honor of Hashem at uh, some level. Sure. And so that story of the Humphus Heim, I think, is is always a good illustration for me That's to, to, to help 
understand perhaps how God might respond yeah. in that situation. That's good. That is great. Yeah. I think uh, to your point, it's somewhat ironic that as God has allowed us to understand our faith and the history of it better over time, we've we've moved from reading about those bad, terrible Jews that killed Messiah. And we're now reading about Gentiles who've approached Jews for salvation. You know, like the guy who goes to uh, Shammai and asks him to teach him the, t- the Torah while he stands on one foot, stuff like that. And you know, we're reading about Gentiles that want to be saved. And they, and they the, in, in these sages' stories, it is a recognition that we need to be joined to, to Israel. So that's great. Yes, Johnny. Um, Too slow. Long. It's yes. It, it, it's fascinating that, you know, Tim Hag couldn't articulate kind of the answer in 40 minutes. And I think that, that just kind of proves that you know, it, it is so simple to grasp, but yet makes really no sense. And, and that it's, why would I condemn others for not believing something that doesn't, that I don't mean, I, I can't really articulate to a certain degree myself. Good. Way, way, to, way to go. I, I think uh, I'm going to summarize it this way. I've got neighbors on either side. One of them is a very strong churchgoer. The other one is Catholic. And not that strong a churchgoer. I think I have an obligation to walk out my faith before both of them. And I think, if you asked either one of them, I am extraordinarily open with my faith and not afraid to use up a lot of their time (laughs) sharing stories uh, about what I believe and why I believe it. I believe that we have the same obligation to every man, whether he's Jew or Gentile. It's as simple as that. And the reality is, you can't just walk up to an Orthodox Jew and start talking and have any degree of credibility. You just can't do it. So, we find ourselves eating in a kosher restaurant frequented by Orthodox Jews. Go figure. What a, what a great place to possibly strike up conversation. What a, what a, what a tremendous opportunity to be able to interface with the Jewish community and invite them here and talk with us. Is there any difference between inviting the pagan to the church building to hear a message about salvation or inviting a Jew into your home or frequenting their establishments so that you can share the work of salvation or understand better what they believe about Messiah? It's also important that we be even-handed in how we deal with both Orthodox Judaism and professional Christianity because, Mm. you know, to a certain extent, for for us who come out of professional Christianity, it's very easy for us to bash them because we've... We've seen that movie. We've we've seen the movie. We've been there. It's... it's, it's, I I can... Pick a fight with family, right? Mm-hmm. You know, 
So it's very easy for us to, to, to bash them and, and point out the error of their ways. Um, and so I think, I think we've got to be even-handed because I think we need to uh, applaud professional Christian for the things that they have right, which there's a lot of things they have right. Absolutely. And there's, but there's a lot of things they don't have right. You know? uh, so I think we need to be willing to call a spade a spade on either side. Because it's, it's a fact that Orthodox Judaism at large today, modern Orthodox Judaism, does not believe Messiah is God. You know, uh, has, has, in a lot of respects, put Messiah somewhat on a back burner. I mean, that's why you can get an art scroll catalog and there's not one title in the whole book about Mashiach. Right. Um, in the whole catalog. So, I mean, you know, in, in both camps of inherited lies, you know, Christianity is inherited lies, and the fact of the matter is, there's been lies that have been passed now for a long time mm-hmm. in, in Judaism. That's right. And in the, the ironic part, again, is that the lies on both sides of the street started at roughly the same time. Yeah, yeah that's right. Amazingly so. So, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, we should applaud Christendom for recognizing Messiah and lifting him up. We should applaud Judaism for preserving the very word of God so that we have that privilege and for giving us an outstanding example of how to keep the scriptures, how to be obedient, sometimes way over the top, but still great examples to either take or toss and if we look at those both good sides, we need to look at the the sour underbelly as well. And uh, you know, on both sides, it's there. And uh, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yeah. So between the old uh, rock and the hard place, we uh, we find ourselves uh, in the in a no man's land. We we don't want to be <coughs> deliberately disobedient. We don't want to be forgetting about or rejecting Messiah and his wonderful work of salvation on our behalf. So I think if we lift up Messiah and remind people that we actually know his name, not all of his names, but some of them, and that he had many names before he was given that name. Um, This may sound heretical to you. I'll just throw it on the tape so that we can really rile up the folks that are listening from afar. Um, but uh, here's, a, here's a thought for you. Um, have you noticed that in the Tanakh, um, Hashem is lifted up. His name is, is revered to the point where one of the top ten is not to take that name in vain. Now, whether that be take the name or to take the name, it, yeah, either way, um, we, need to, uh, we need to be careful. And there's a lot of references as you read through the all of the prophets, the writings, uh, that the name of God is lifted up. and He will not share His glory, the glory of that name, with anybody. So you, you read through 74% of our Bible, and it's all about the name and the magnif- magnificence of it. And then we have you know, this 20-some-odd percent, and the name and the same exact phrases are used 
And I actually had somebody quote Romans 10 to me. And the way he put it was, there's no name given under heaven by which, other than Yeshua, by which a man might be saved. And I said, wait a minute, that's not what Romans 10 says. It's very close. But Yeshua's name is not mentioned there. He's talking about the name. Now, here's a thought. Just take this mullet over. We'll talk about it in another couple of weeks. Is it possible that references to the name in the apostolic scriptures are just the same as the references to the name in the Tanakh? And that Yeshua is one of his names. And that Yeshua had many names before he was given that earthly man's name. He is wonderful. He is that counselor. He is mighty God. He is the Prince of Peace. He, I mean, he's got all kinds of names. Isaiah didn't say, the virgin shall be with child, and she shall name him Yeshua. No. He'll be called Emmanuel. Well, how come we don't pray in Manny's name? You know, that kind of thing. It's just a thought that maybe we're, we've got a, such a tremendous emphasis on it because of the rejection of that name. But really, maybe we're really taking it over the top. That is not to in any way deny the divinity, the kingship, the messiahship of Yeshua, the Messiah. I believe that he is. Yeshua is. Yeshua is the Messiah. Yeshua. Right, and in the Psalms it says, I, you know, take your time, chill out for a little bit till I put all your enemies at your foot. So, you know, it's something like that. It was, you know, it's a New York conversion. But, uh, yeah, same deal. I mean, we see these parallels, right? So is it yod Is it Hashem? Is it Yeshua? Yes. I mean, you, you guys do believe in, how many gods do you believe in? Oh, it's just one God, right? Yeah, there it is. Yeshua and yod are one. They, Adonai Echad. Basically, in that culture, meant that you were doing something on behalf of another. You were doing it in his name. You were representing another. You had been given a task, shliach. You had been given a mission, and you were representing an ambassador, if you will. That or is it even is the name even Yeshua? Is it Yehoshua? Exactly. Really even know that. Exactly right. Yeah. Just that. I mean, 
Because there's the names in every language already. Right. And that that would be some amulet. Or, or if you're from Texas and you pronounce it Yeshua. <laughs> <laughs> the way it's really supposed to be pronounced, exactly. I mean, yeah. We're closer to it than, I think, than, than saying Jesus. I mean, Yeshua is more close to his original name, what his mother would have called him. I don't, it's not like I don't think it matters what his mother called him. That's my point. The fact that we're closer to that, to his earthly name, I think is absolutely and completely irrelevant. I really do. I, I'm just, just as, as, a, as a title, uh, as, a, as, a, as a person, you know, uh, I'm just going to pull a name out of the air, George Bush. When he goes to Mexico and someone introduces him, do they introduce him as Jorge Bush? Or is it George Bush? That's his name. Or, so it's, it's, there's kind of a, it's semantics, but it could be important. I don't know. Who knows? Well, I think, and this is just my personal belief, but God was being clever when he named him Yeshua, because it made the whole Old Testament. Yeah, just like, <laughs> I, I think you're exactly right, son, and and we, we should know that. We should know by looking at how and why they named their kids. You shall name him Salvation. Why? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. Get it? Get it. So. singing that every single Shabbat for Havdalah. How many times do you say the word Yeshua? Yeah. The name of Yeshua. I mean, that's so cool. He is... It, it's a mission. It's his purpose. It's his raison d'être. When Moshe is standing at the edge of the Yom Suv, and he lifts his hands over the water and stands back to stand still and, and see the Yeshua, Yeshuati. Right. Yeah. The, the salvation of God, yeah. Yeshuati Adonai. So, I mean, and that's why, with hindsight, I can go back and I can see... And put a grin on your face and go... Dah! And it's, and it's a play on the word, and then you, it ties all together with the naming of the, of the baby. Of the baby yeah. right? um, but, yeah, to, to, to see that clearly until after it happened. Yeah. Some did. Baptized in the name of Moshe in the cloud. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, I, I, I would close by saying, you can call him salvation. Because that's really what his name means. In the name of salvation. Praying like that might just throw you a little. And, you know, there's a lot of prayer breakfasts and pancakes that you wouldn't uh, end up repeating if, if they call you in there. All right. Let's, uh, let's close it up. Final comments? Are we okay? Thank you, Adonai, our God, that you have established our portion with those who dwell in the study hall. And you've not established our portion with idlers, for we arise early and they rise early. We arise early for words of Torah, and they arise early for idle words. We toil and they toil, we toil and receive reward, and they toil and don't receive reward.
We run and they run. We run to the life of the world to come and they run to the pit of destruction. As it is written, You, O God, you will lower them into the well of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit shall not live out half their days. But as for us, we will trust in you. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen.